anchored, focused on God, we will weave our way through life and we will miss the best that God has for us. We'll miss the best. Because he says a double-minded man is unsteady in all of his ways. He's not going to get anything. And I think one of the reasons that so many people do not pray is that they tried it, and here's what they'll say. I tried it, and it didn't work. I trusted God, and let me tell you what happened. I'll tell you what happened. If you really trusted him, he had something better in mind for you than you asked for if it didn't suit his, fit his will for your life. Then what happens? We end up saying, well, God didn't answer my prayer. We get angry at God and frustrated over God. Well, God, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. We need to back off and say, Lord, surely if you didn't answer my prayer exactly like I asked, you must have had something better. Now, here's the bottom line. Now, watch this. You listen and say amen. amen. Listen carefully. The issue is, how do I correct this now? I know what's causing it, and I know what the consequences are. How do I correct it? Here's how I correct it. Real simple. Don't let this one go by you. You're asking God about something and you just, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I think he will. I'm not sure. Here's what you do. You make a decision. Here's the decision. I choose to believe that God's trustworthy. I choose to believe that God is faithful. I choose to believe that God will do exactly what he says. I refuse to doubt my God. Now listen carefully. You have to put this whole sentence in there. I refuse to any longer doubt God. I didn't mention circumstances. I refuse to doubt God. Asking it shall be given you. Seeking you shall find. Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So be it even, even as you believe. I refuse to doubt God. Listen carefully. You don't make a decision to stop doubting your circumstances. You make a decision to stop doubting God. You make a decision to stop. I'm going to stop believing God that he's who he says he is and will do what he says he'll do. Now, what will help me do that? Getting in his word and meditating upon his promises. Because here's what happens. When I meditate upon his promises, God begins, listen, I begin to osmos into my thinking. I begin to think the way God thinks. I begin to fill my mind and my spirit with those things that God has said. All the time I'm doing that, listen, now listen carefully. That's why it's not enough to come sit and listen to a sermon. That's not enough. You need to write it down. You need to take notes. When we open the Bible, read the Scripture when it says, Ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find. That's what it says. You know what happens? Your eyeball hits that, wrenches in your mind, in your spirit. Then God's got something to work with. Fill your mind and your heart with the Word of God. Recall the promise. When Satan hits you with one of these things and you begin to waver, you say, What's the promise of God? I'm, I have chosen, I will not doubt the living God. You know what happens? Your wavering back and forth is going to come to a screeching, wonderful halt. And you, listen, the blessings of God are going to begin to flow in your life. You've got to make a decision. I will no longer doubt the living God who is the sovereign controller of this universe and has every aspect of my life in absolute, total control. And nothing, listen, nothing is working in or against me that he's not in control of. Let me ask you something. Do you think you have a need that God's unaware of? No. Did he not say, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Yes. Do I believe God's going to meet my needs? Yes. Well, mm, well uh, this particular one, no. My God shall supply how many? All your needs according to what? His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So what I have to decide is this. I refuse to doubt God. 
You know what that means? That means I'm trusting him from this point on. I'm believing him. If I make a decision, focus upon his word, focus upon him, meditate upon his word, affirm continuously, I refuse to doubt the living God. I choose to believe God. I choose to believe this sovereign God will keep his word every time. Father, how grateful we are that you are so patient, you work so simply, you just move through the most difficult things of our life, loving us, enabling us, securing us, strengthening us. Deliver us, Father, from being double-minded, looking in two directions for the same thing. Let there no longer be civil war, but absolute peace in our heart, that our trust is in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. listening to In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. God knows all the details of your situation, and He has the answers you need. Although the Lord's instruction may not always match our hopes, believers can be sure God's plans will promote His glory and be for our good. To listen again, click on Today on Radio at InTouch.org and look around our website for help with living a life of faith in Jesus. And if you go to the bookstore page, you can order a copy of Dr. Stanley's complete message, Strengthening Our Wavering Faith, or his entire teaching set, Learning to Walk by Faith. Again, you'll find these resources at intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. To write to us, address your letter to In Touch, Post Office Box 7900. Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. It's easy to trust God when our lives are going as expected. But how about when things get messy? Today's moment with Charles Stanley is just ahead. Human connection and healthy relationships. It's what our Heavenly Father longs for us to have. But life today makes it far too easy to be self-sufficient and isolated. We can get stuck, caught in our own lives, disconnected from those around us. With InTouch's Fully Human Workbook, learn to repair and renew your relationships through the Word of God and the teachings of Dr. Charles Stanley. Connect again and sustain true fellowship with others. Visit InTouch.org slash store. Dad, Dad, Dad! What, buddy? Did you wear a ground-off gift? You still want to get the same one we talked about last night? Yes. I think we got it. Merry, Merry Christmas! Christmas. Come on in. Oh, oh, thank you, Nolan. The prayer blanket. The prayer blanket. <laughs> Merry Christmas, buddy. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, Christmas is a time of sharing. Go to intouch.org slash store to find gifts that bless for the Christmas season. You're listening to In Touch. God puts believers in situations that challenge their faith. Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. When I first came to uh, First Baptist, I came as an associate pastor, and then they uh, were going to vote on calling me as the pastor, and I knew that God told me that I was going to be the pastor of the church. and didn't tell anybody else that. And kneeling by the bed that afternoon, here's what God said. I knew he said it, though when I looked around, there was no way. And I mean, uh, I would come to church and preach, and I'd listen to all these folks who didn't like me and going to get rid of me and all these plans they had of how they were going to do it and so forth, and I'd get in the prayer room. It's like God would say to me, if I ever heard him ever say, just like he said this, are you going to believe what you see 
What you hear, what you feel, are you going to believe what I said? Are you going to believe what you see, what you hear, what you feel, or what I said? So I'd walk out there on Sunday morning, get ready to preach to a whole bunch of folks who didn't like me and didn't want me. A wonderful experience, believe me. <laughs> but you know what? I'd, I'd have a difficult time during the week. Folks giving me a hard time. I'd get in the prayer room on Sunday morning. That's not the only time I was there. I was there every day. But I'd get in the prayer room before I'd go out there and preach and spend about a half an hour. And I'd walk out there and you'd think I thought everybody would just love me to death. I mean, I had the most perfect peace, the most absolute awesome assurance. But I learned something. When God has told you something, you die with it, but don't change your mind. He would say to me, are you going to believe what you see? That was bad. What you hear, that was terrible. What you feel, that was a horrible. Are you going to believe that or are you going to believe what I said? So finally, I decided I was going to believe what God said no matter what. You have to keep your focus on God. For help maintaining a focus on God and walking with Him by faith, visit us at intouch.org. Tomorrow on In Touch, faith is essential in the Christian life and we'll hear an outline of the requirements of faith Friday on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Not even a decade ago, television personality Bill Maher had pretty much cemented his brand of snarky atheism and political leftism. His crass, snide, and often irrationally irreligious humor infuriated many people and led to an earlier show of his being canceled, not to mention plenty of gigs. But for a couple of years now, many of his former critics have noted something new, just how often he's willing to say out loud what so many on the left will never say out loud. In a monologue on last Friday's episode of his HBO series Real Time with Bill Maher, which I cannot officially recommend given the language and perverse humor, Maher offered a pretty thorough defense of Israel and even Western civilization. Here's Maher, quote, For all the progressives and academics who refer to Israel as an outpost of Western civilization like it's a bad thing, please note, Western civilization is what gave the world pretty much every expletive liberal precept that liberals are supposed to adore. Individual liberty, scientific inquiry, rule of law, religious freedom, women's rights, human rights, democracy, trial by jury, freedom of speech. Please, somebody stop us before we enlighten again. End quote. He then went on to note that Israel is the only place in the Middle East where these societal goods can be found. Mar then went on to offer a mini-history on the evolution of human rights in Western culture, detailing the host of thinkers through the ages that articulated, argued for, and built the freedoms that we now enjoy. It was, after all, only from the ideals that were brewed in the soup of Western culture that people like Martin Luther King Jr. were able to launch crusades against racial oppression and American segregation. It was from the writing of thinkers like Jean-Jacques Rousseau and Voltaire, among others, that the UN's well-devised, even if poorly applied, Declaration of Human Rights was birthed. And in a point dripping with his typical snarkiness, Marr pointed out that no one studied the great prophet of liberty John Locke anymore, quote, because he's so old, so white, and so dead. He then ended by noting just how few of the people he was critiquing would even take seriously what he was saying, because they're already too committed to a way of seeing everything through this lens of predetermined oppressors and oppressed. Now, I, like many, disagree with Marr on so many things, but I also find it so fascinating the number of cynics and skeptics today who seem to be rethinking everything now that they've been confronted with the ideas that replaced religion in the West. 
which in fact brings up just what Bill Maher left out in his otherwise thoughtful and compelling monologue. He's not quite ready to admit the role that religion played in cultivating liberty and human rights. Because Voltaire and Rousseau were anti-religious, they're safe to mention, Locke and King are often praised almost in spite of their deep faith, which Marr never mentioned in his monologue. In fact, Marr started his history of Western civilization too late, describing men who inherited a tradition as if they had started the tradition. In his book, A Brief History of Thought, Luke Ferry, also an atheist, identified and clearly articulated the true source of the West's most important and consequential ideas. Here's what he wrote, quote, Christianity was to introduce the notion that humanity was fundamentally identical, that men were equal in dignity, an unprecedented idea at the time, and one to which our world owes its entire democratic inheritance, end quote. In other words, without the principles that emerged from Holy Scripture, the world would have never benefited from the insights of a Jefferson or a Locke. The biblical view of the world, especially its description of the inherent value and the moral nature of the human person, is the only basis for freedom in all of human history. The ideas Mar rightly celebrates are not only good ones, they're true, and without their religious roots, they cannot be sustained. Mar's right to look to an earlier foundation for the goods of Western civilization. He just needed to look back further. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Dr. Timothy Paget. For more resources that live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to breakpoint.org.